Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to our Analytics Apprenticeship Mentorship Series. So I've got Gavin and Hunter with us today. And today we're going to be talking about developing business acumen. And this is extremely timely because me and Gavin just met for the first time with our apprenticeship partner client. So I'll let Gavin just kind of explain. So what happened today? Um, so we got to tour the packaging facility. Um, one of the big things that they're looking for, or one of the big things they're looking for is obviously how to optimize their system. Some of the key KPIs and things like that, that they, they were interested in were margin, margin by day, um, average product runtime. So it's going to be very similar to the ERP data that we kind of went through those, uh, those data sets. So it should be pretty interesting because it's, um, because they're interested in some sales data, I'm already working on a Tableau chart. Uh, that's kind of going to be kind of similar, though we're going to be using Power BI for this. Um, but some of the questions that I was asking myself during that, I can use during this. So it should okay, be pretty cool. interesting. So uh, explain, what do they do at a high level? Um, at a high level, so they... Hmm, it's kind of interesting. So what they do is um, they... I'm not exactly sure the best way to explain it. I'm thinking of the top of my head. Well, okay. I guess let's back up before right. we get into that. So let me ask you this, Hunter. How do you think about like learning about different, I guess, aspects of business? Because you, you've got your first major consulting project under your belt. What aspects of the business did you touch within that project? Well, so it was it was kind of interesting to see uh, interdepartmental work within a, a business. You know, um, most of the time when Hugh and I would be working together, um, we'd take input from a lot of different departments within his company, um, try to work our visualizations about around what both he wanted and what they need to succeed. For example, like um, having new people come in, having new. Um, 
people join their business, you know, new. Um, you got to start at a high level. So, okay, don't name drop the company because it's kind of a name brand. Like it's a national chain. Yeah. But what what do they do? They do regional um, pest control. So they, they do pest control. Yeah, they do pest control. Um, and they have they have a variety of locations all internationally and nationally. Um, and so the you their goal was to figure out where they're doing great and how to do even better where they're doing great because maximizing prop maximizing their profit for them would be utilizing their highest uh, highest amount of people areas mm-hmm. you know like for example for pest control uh, North Carolina I mean they're based they, they are based in North Carolina um, so they have a lot of clients up here but also Florida was an area that they were interested in going into because in the summer in Florida there's a lot of pest problems and so right. it's some it's somewhere that has a high uh, availability for growth so okay I guess actually both of these company both Gavin the project you're working on and Hunter the project you've worked on you could start at a high level and say these are service-based businesses, right? Because they're not mm-hmm. making a physical product, yeah. And then kind of start from there. So, all right, they're a service-based business. Here's what they do, and then you can start to back into the KPIs, yeah. So, also, what's interesting about the company that Hunter you worked on is that I think what you were, the words you were looking for was they sell their franchise. Right. So yes. Franchisees. Franch- franchising. They're fran- franchisees. New franchisees coming into the business. Right. So, what? How you could kind of frame up the project that you worked on is that you built out a dashboard that any, let's say, a new franchisee owner can buy the company or buy the license to the company, have all the assets shipped to them, and then part of that is they can just log into their Tableau infrastructure. So I'd say that's. Partially true, yes. Uh, I would say more of the what you just touched on would be the people who are already franchisees, um, not okay. en- not entering. So they they those would be the ones who would be comparing their brand data versus their organization's data. So it's like the how are they doing compared to the brand? If they're underperforming, why are they doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, f- something that Hugh actually created based on the calculations that I worked on was a pro forma. So that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, uh, that's that's what they that's what he created for a um, for new new entrants. They that he enters the amount of well, the franchisee would enter the desired amount of you know, for example, marketing spend or infrastructure investment into into the first column, and it would spit out a prediction for the next uh, two to three years. Right. So yeah, this is actually something you've you've been interested in. Essentially, what they built out was a financial tool. Okay. So let's say that you bought in the franchise for one hundred forty thousand, mm-hmm. and then maybe to your market, it, your franchise is really worth one hundred twenty. Mm-hmm. So you were paid by twenty thousand. Then with the pro forma they built out, you could scale up or down your marketing, and then up and down your your phone open rate, up and down. There was a few other different things, and then what you could see it, what it would spit out was. All right, when am I going to break even? Is it year one, year two, year three? Okay. So if you overpaid and then put everything kind of as recommended, mm-hmm. you might not break even until year five. Okay. But what you could do is maybe you you overpay. We've established you paid overpaid by twenty thousand. You could up your marketing by six thousand dollars, and then it's riskier. But if things go well, you'll break even by year two or three. 
Okay. Which I thought was really, really interesting. Another interesting thing from his business was that um, he would point it out that whenever he would tell um, new entrants about, like, what they need to do, for example, they're underpaying their in their marketing spend, and they th- they would be very hesitant to be like, oh, that's not me. I'm not I'm not underspend. I'm I'm allocating exactly what I need. And the problem that they had was that they didn't have the numbers to back it up. And so now that they have these finite numbers, he can just show them, hey, you're at, this is what's you're actually underpaying. And they and then at, on a business level, they're like, oh, okay, so I guess it is me. I guess I need to do something about this. What do you say underpaying? Can you, can well, you uh, uh, well, like you've overpaid and you're under marketing. Well, yeah, uh, overpaid under marketing is okay. a great example, or underpaid and you're not getting in, you're not getting your name out there enough. That's gotcha. two two examples. Okay, so Hunter, I'm curious, how did you learn about how the business functioned? Well, uh, several ways. One was just by honest conversation with you about what he was looking about, what his business is looking for. But I would say that. The numbers kind of told a story for themselves, okay. you know. Like over time, um, you start to you start to tie in certain metrics with with locations. For example, like when we were working with GeoData, we used a lot of maps for his company because they are very regional and, and mm-hmm. international. Um, you start to pick up the trends just by looking at the map. Like you'll see, um, for example, total. They, they have a prorated subtotal. Um, for their for their services that they provide, um, what does that mean? Prorated? It's like uh, it's like um, it's essentially just a total, is what it is. It's like a final. To- it's like after the subtotal, it's a okay. prorated total. Um, so you start to match that up with areas that have a higher customer volume, for example, just a pure volume. Um, okay, I'm talking about. So essentially, the, the answer to the question I'm looking for is that Hugh carved out all of the specific projects. Right. Yeah, I would say that he took a lead on that, um, and then he would give feedback on the direction that I went from there. Okay. Which I think is good because um, we've we've talked about disagreeableness in the podcast a few times mm-hmm. of how you don't want to come into a business and then you're working with the CEO and say, "Hey, buddy, you're doing your business all wrong." Right, you know, I've been here for five minutes, and this is what I see. You, you kind of want to be in that situation where you're. I don't want to say order order taker sounds like a little derogatory, but you're kind of in sponge mode, or you're just you're you're processing everything that they're scoping out. And I was essentially in that that mode probably for the first one to two years of running my consulting agency, but eventually, kind of where I think you, you guys both could head. Is that you're, you start developing mental models for like, okay, this is how this works. So I've got like very simple business models of, all right, here's a sales dashboard. So we got the KPIs of total sales, average deal size, and maybe count of customers. So, and I can lay that, I and mean, you saw that in the meeting when we were talking to the CEO and COO. Exactly. Morning, yeah. Where I was kind of mapping out like, hey, is this kind of the framework you might want to start looking at? So I, I kind of put on my advisor cap, um, which is kind of, I think, kind of the next evolution, mm-hmm. although it's probably maybe two to three years out for you guys, where you, it's like, well, Hunter, especially if you start continuing to take on all these different consulting engagements through Silvertone, you're going to start seeing, all right, all right, well, here's how sales analytics works typically, here's how marketing analytics works, here's how supply chain 
worse. What comes with experience and with training, you know, right. like I'm for example, I'm going to be starting to learn pick up SQL in a little bit here. And when I start picking up some of that SQL training, you know, it might take it. I might be able to connect some of that back to the work I've been doing in Tableau, where it's just like an overall an overall idea of being a little bit more authoritative when it comes to data analytics as a whole. Like, yeah. Well, this is this is almost like we're talking about business acumen. This is like pre-analytics. Yeah. This is like um, conceptualization of this before you. Well, I'm saying at well at a very basic level, I'm saying when there's going to be a point where um, I have I know I know enough to be dangerous, you know. Yeah. And it's like uh, I think that it's important to once once I do have that amount of knowledge to like let it be known to maybe not take so much of a backseat. And I think that's kind of what you were touching on. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Well... Um, I think I think there's there's kind of thing, uh, two different things to parse out. So I think you're right. I think demonstrating that you have the the technical hard skills is going to add to your authority. But before you even start to pull out, like let's say that you know SQL is just one tool in your belt. Before you pull out that tool, you need to understand. All right, well, what are we building? Are we building a table? Is it a chair? You got to conceptualize a project before you start getting into the, the technical side of it. Okay. And it's like, what with the project that you you've worked on, Hugh is conceptualizing it because I mean it, it's fascinating getting to work. You're so lucky you got to work with him on your first project because he's like the kindest person ever. Yeah. Uh, he's like super into mentoring, and I mean he's got a really sharp business mind. Mm-hmm. I mean he he conceptualized and actually built out that pro forma. Yeah. And I mean like. He, he, he got it. And, I mean, he's what? How old is he? Like in his late 50s, 60s? Yeah, probably. So, I mean, he's got a whole... He's got 30, 40 years of business under his belt. Um, which is... Gavin, once you, you got kind of an interesting view in that you got to see kind of me in my advisor mode like start to, like, ask kind of pointed questions. Exactly. I mean, I thought it was real cool. And I was, I was thinking about this while you were doing it, like... So they pretty much had the idea of what they wanted to go about. Like they had exactly like what you were saying, the concept and everything like that. You were just uh, like plug in and like, hey, do you, or have you thought about this or something like that from your previous conversation? Um, 
what I think you were saying just as far as, you know, along down the line and things like that, I would assume you just ask the same questions. Like you determine what type of data and what type of questions and what type of answers that they're looking for. And then you already have like um, select dashboards that you use for like sales or marketing or anything like that. Right. And then you just pull from that and see, you know what I'm saying? So at that point, you're just um, plugging and playing, I would assume. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you have this mental model of like, all right, Sales analytics typically happens this way. Here's, mm-hmm. You know, I've worked with, I don't know, 10 different CMOs, or not CMOs, that's the chief marketing officer, or CSOs, chief sales officers. And here's how they typically, this is what they value. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, like, specific. Each individual person is going to have their own unique quirks. Mm-hmm. But there's kind of a general thrust. And during my MBA program, they tried to teach us some of these mental models, and they do that through just reading case studies, which I don't know. I, I, I feel I'm kind of on the fence about how effective I think reading case studies are. So essentially what you guys are developing now is specific knowledge. Right. So you are going out to the business world, being posed by a, a problem from an executive team, and you're going out and solving it. So you own that now. That is your specific lesson that you've like gone out and you've earned that, which is something you don't really get out of school. You know, like, right. like even in my MBA, like I can't say, oh yeah, I, I read a case study on how um, Apple was trying to expand into China and they knew that uh, China's going to steal their IP, but you know, it's a billion people in that region. Is the potential IP theft worth it or not? And then they like talk through the different like, I guess, risk and upsides and ultimately like... I, the way that I was taught is that they would like lay out the problem and then you'd have to like write mm-hmm. and then present a solution. And then um, I guess they reveal after you've presented like this is what they did and here was the outcome. Right. Which I mean, I, th- I think that in the defense of higher education, I think that is a good start. Like you get to, because I, I, I don't own that project, mm-hmm. but I mean, when we were in the meeting with the executive team, I could have pulled that out. Be like, oh yeah, it's kind of like when. Apple was going into China, and this was the risk. Mm-hmm. Which and, and that's what was so cool too about them. like we we were walking around hundred. It was like a two hundred thousand square foot factory. Wow, or not a factory, just a it warehouse. was a warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had all these lines. I mean, there's a bunch of different name brand companies that they're just packaging the products. But they were talking about the stress on the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Which is something we actually didn't we talk about that? Yeah, we did talk about in the, that in the last episode. I was yeah, we did, and I mean that was a big topic of conversation just throughout. And I was thinking about that a little bit as far as like the supply chain when they were talking like from their current vendors. That was why I was wanting to know like as far as what they were charging for like or what they were charging for like their inventory that they manage and things like yeah. that. What was um, how often are they getting supplies? He was very forthcoming with that information, which I was kind of surprised. Um, well, he, we're literally coming in as the analytics expert and going to build out their first infrastructure. Right. Like, I right. mean, yeah. I mean, we're... we're yeah, they want to load you up with as much info as <laughs> yeah, possible. Yeah, so they were just, like, kind of going well, back. I, I was impressed, though, because, like, you're you're in, I would say, you're not a direct competitor, but you're in kind of a very similarly related space. Exactly. Um, in your current job. So you, you actually could speak the lingo in a way that I couldn't. Right. I mean, I thought it was interesting, like... Um, China, I don't know if you know this, China just went to another lockdown. Mm. So that is a huge pressure on the supply chain here, right? Exactly. Like right now, uh, China, 
um, especially in Shenzhen. And I mean, there's, I think it's northern China specifically where they're locking down the hardest. And I mean, you obviously have your Hong Kongs and everything like that. And this is just what I was told. I hadn't done too much research into this, but it's about when they did their lockdown, it's about six days. So they get six days and they reevaluate another six days. I was very curious, and that was why I asked about the, again, the vendor-managed inventory that they had, and then if they had any price increases from what they used to do before COVID and what they're doing currently, because um, we find that a lot in our business, like we're just stocking up on certain items and stuff like that. If they're doing that, um, and then they're kind I was, I was one, I was, I'm kind of interested to see the data point, because I want to know if they're constantly increasing uh, for the stores that you have? Because that was one of the questions you asked. Like, um, what did you ask? Th- that, was, that was an interesting conversation. So, yeah. Hunter, apparently they have, um, they can store their their clients. Pro- like, they could, okay, let's say that they got a sh- this customer. Well, it says, invent- it says inventory. But Yeah, so yeah. they're holding it. They could hold it in their warehouse. And what's interesting about that is that that is a much lower margin for them. They make much more money packaging it. But kind of where I came in from just kind of an inquisitive perspective was, yeah, but isn't inventory holding, isn't that a, a stable income stream versus That's what they, they've got to sw- swap out the um, lines. But, right. but they actually said they, they, like, they would rather just churn through it and they're exactly. trying to like offload all of their inventory holding. Because, we're at the, because they operate very seasonally. So right now it, it's like they can do it, but, you know, as what they say, like April, June, April, May, June and things like that, they're not going to be able to do it because they're going to have to introduce new machines, more people, and they're not going to have enough space. Right. I'd be interested to see the insight that we could be able to get or we would be able to give and to like if if they wanted to just house another warehouse space in these general areas, if they'd have enough money in order to do so and expand in these ways. I'd be interested to see the cost of holding their inventory, how much that's uh, how much that's like affecting their ability to to like their cost of goods sold. For okay, example. so yeah. what's interesting is they're making money by holding their clients' inventory. Okay, so it's a storage fee. I mean, there is a cost associated, but they're charging more than what they're incurring. Okay, so in that case, they'd probably want to hold on to their inventory as long as possible. In which case, they actually want to lengthen their average inventory okay, cycle. All right, now we're getting into something juicy here. Yeah, that so, was exactly the point that he made. So we're, we're getting there's this concept. Are you familiar with this concept called opportunity cost? Oh yeah. Well, it's an economic. I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a business student at a major university. <laughs> yeah. That's all we hear about in economics all day. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I don't know if you got your econ cost in. The opportunity cost of them holding inventory means that they can't put more more lucrative lines in. More lucrative lines, like meaning, what what would those be? What would more like lucrative? The, like, what's more lucrative for them than storage right now? Because you guys were like, saying, okay, so let's say what what was an example? They had batteries, for example. Yeah. They had they had like people. It was really interesting to see. Like we were on the shop floor. And, like, they would get this massive box of batteries. Someone would wave, like, a magnetic wand, mm-hmm. pull it off, put it into plastic, and then it would go into a machine that would seal it together, and then that would just, like, rotate. It was it was an assembly line. Okay. So that is, like, one example. They're making more money off that battery assembly line than holding on to, you know, leaf blowers in the back of their warehouse. Right. Now, what's real interesting about their whole system is what they found. So they do a portion of the packaging for these companies. The companies also do in-house packaging. What's interesting about them, and I'm interested to see the data, is that the individuals, like the actual people that they have doing the packaging, are faster and more efficient than the machines at some of these other companies. So I'm interested to look at the numbers and see why that that is. Well, probably yeah. it would be for some products and not for others, I would imagine. 
Um, yes, but some of the bigger products and like some of, some of the bigger orders that they do have um, are more efficient. So, I mean, they do make a lot more money just having people there doing it instead of actually buying the machines. Now, I don't know how much space it would take to, take to set up a station. So, I mean, we're getting into the weeds a little bit, but yeah, there's a lot saying, of things yeah. to think about. Yeah. So, yeah, let's bring it back to the point of just developing business acumen. So you, you, you're getting, like, the crash course. And it was funny because I started – did you feel overwhelmed? Because I, I started feeling a little overwhelmed and, like, slightly uncomfortable in the factory because it's, like, such a non it's, – it's, I'm not used to being in a space like that. Oh, I've been in those spaces before, though, yeah. It was, I was like, man, this is so – I'm in a slightly smaller – I've been in a slightly smaller place. My parents own a small warehouse for our service company. So it's yeah. kind okay. of similar to that. But Yeah. Okay, yeah. But I was uh, – yeah, it was just – it felt so foreign to me. Yeah. yeah, it felt, it felt gritty. Like, it was yeah. I, I thought it was weird. I, it was surprising to me how big that factory was and how little machinery they actually had and how little people that they actually had in well, there. Well, it it's off season. That's true, but it's still for as you said, like a two two thousand square foot facility. There was two hundred thousand two hundred thousand square foot facility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 2000, that's like I, yeah, I was thinking about yeah, two hundred thousand. Yeah, it was. It was very efficient how they kind of operate their business and stuff like that already. So, yeah. you, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much more efficient that we can make it. Cool. Yeah, well, I, I, getting back to kind of the theme of this episode of, of business acumen, Gavin, this is, this is you're, you're doing it now. Like, mm-hmm. you are, I mean, I guess I kind of gave you within the case studies and the apprenticeship program, you got six different use cases. Mm-hmm. They're, but they're different than, like, the MBA um, case studies I got because it's not just reading-based and mm-hmm. make an argument. Like you're actually getting your hands in the data and then like finding right. opportunities. Like for example, seasonality is a great type of analysis. Right. Like looking at, all right, well, if we are going to have a pinch in, during the summer, you know, what what are the implications of that for our business? Right. And that actually kind of gets back to a capacity issue. Mm-hmm. So you you struggle a little bit to like articulate what they do. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's packaging. I mean, anything that, and, but it's not a packaging in a traditional sense. They do like packaging and they do like package or like building marketing material. So anything that you see in a store from like an advertising display or it could be anything for, let's say, they don't do this, but it's like a bag of chips. Like they just, you know, float a line of chips down the line and then put the, you know, the plastic over the top. They kind of do a little bit of everything, and I, it's kind of weird because it's not packaging the way I'm familiar with so it. So I've, I've got a way. I actually was thinking about how to articulate this while we were walking around the factory. Okay. So what they specialize in, or their kind of their niche, is that they expand their clients' capacity. Yeah. So they've invested mm. in this huge warehouse. And let's say this battery company and this tobacco company, they have peak seasons. And do you think it makes sense from an operation standpoint to build the tobacco and the battery factory so that it can house ever all of the operations from the peak season that only lasts like a week or two? Right. Like you don't you don't need to invest in that. What you can do is just. They, you can go to this, this this client partner of ours to go and say, all right, well, for this for this month, we need you to run these lines. Oh, man, seasonality is going to be really important then. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because seasonality... Well, it depends on the product, right? So Yeah, that's what I was going to say is yeah. that seasonality is different for all the different industries. Yeah. So what they can do is they can just find 
businesses that are seasonally heavy in the winter or spring or fall or summer. Yeah. So then they can, but they're just focusing on that like additional capacity, and yeah. then they're 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 staying nimble. So that's kind of that's that's how I would have how I like if you're going to step into an interview. Mm-hmm. That's how I would explain it. Like you gotta, like you gotta. It's put, interesting because it in you both way. did this. You guys both jumped directly into the details. It's right. like no, no, no. It's a, it's a very analytics thing to do. It right, is. but but and analytics is great, and having like really tight skills is awesome. But you've got to make sure that there's someone driving that. You've got to you got to you got to pause and think about all right, what is the game that I'm playing? Yeah. Like with this guy, with what we're we're playing the capacity game or the operations right. game. And I mean, you put it very, uh, very like put it together very easily. Like when we were kind of going through there, because as he was doing it, I was like typing stuff out and like asking myself questions, answering questions, stuff like that. There's no, re- there's no way in that moment I'd have probably been able to give him a good back and forth. I was like, you know, well, no, a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah, you seemed like attentive and like just willing to learn. Mm-hmm. To where I, I think we're opposite. When I get uncomfortable, I get louder and take up more space. <laughs> Well, I mean, in that moment, I was like, I'm glad he's doing that because it was giving me time to like think of questions. So I was like, when we get out of here, I can actually write all these questions down. So when we actually go through this data, we can, um, you know, I already know the questions to ask. And I also gave you an olive branch in the meeting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Where I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you do this different type of packaging. And oh, then yeah. they started asking you about it. And then. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a gateway into you having some more insights in their business. Exactly, yeah. Between that, yeah, and the supply chain, yeah. I'm glad you kind of let that thing go. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, I just wanted to be a fly on the wall for a little bit, for sure. Well, I mean, it was, it was interesting for me because this is, I mean, this is the first time we've done mm-hmm. any type of apprenticeship. I mean, I guess, Hunter, you were technically an intern. But I, what, how did you feel in that first meeting with uh, Hugh? Well, it's interesting that he was <laughs> saying. Actually, maybe you're like me because you talked. A I got. Lot. I, I talked a lot. I talked a lot. I got a little. I got a little bit uncomfortable there a couple of times. But uh, but I gave it my best shot. And you know what? You know what actually led it to be successful was I took away from that first meeting like 50 questions, right? Like, to just spit at him over the next couple of weeks. Like, what? what how are we doing this? How are we doing that? Blah 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 blah. Yeah. You know, it's it's there's an experience gap. Most of the time, there's going to be an experience gap. You, you're, we're lucky this time because you have some experience already with working with yeah. warehouses. I mean, this, this mm-hmm. is again, this is like a perfect, almost like a tailor-made project for you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything that we talked about last meeting, this is everything that I wanted, and especially yeah. like with Power BI, which I'm not as familiar with. Like, I'll be happy to go through that, you know, and do a little deep dive that way. So, well, I mean, yeah, and. Whether it's Tableau or Power BI, like mm-hmm. I think that we're going to be trading off between the two of those. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's the same thing. Not, it's not too different at all. Right. Well, we, inter- we interrupted you, though, Hunter. Well, was I was that? just saying, there's an, most of the time there's going to be an experience gap between the person that you're working with and yourself. I mm-hmm. mean, like I never worked with in pest control. Right. You know, I had to. I had to figure out how what is important for pest control over the course of the project. Like, right. I had to learn that gradually. It didn't just come naturally to me. Right. Yeah. Well. One thing you may want to do on top of that is start just researching the industry and yeah. reading about it a little bit. Yeah. You know, because, um, like, for example, with the pest control stuff, I don't know what are the pre- what are the pressers that are on that to where, I mean, we were talking with the CEO of that company, and he was like, well, we've got inflation, we've got the war, mm-hmm. we've got the lockdown in China. And he um, was like, Lots the, of supply uh, chain stuff. 
Lots yeah. of supply yeah. chain stuff. I mean, like six things. Inflation yeah. is just... That was interesting to me because it was like, yeah, we're just stockpiling all of this, right. all these supplies now because if we wait a week, we're going to pay more for it. Exactly. Comparatively. And I'm like, man... I even said that, like, in the middle of, like, us walking around. I was like, man, this is, like, <laughs> the best lecture I've ever given. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, like um, we're getting out there and we're learning about economics and then operations and supply chain and, right. you know, just-in-time um, operations. Oh, just-in-time manufacturing. That's... Right. Yeah. Right. That, that was interesting when we were talking about lead times. Right, right. I mean, I think it was interesting for me because where I'm at in my current career, like those are high level conversations that I'm not used to. So I think that was the most it was the because even I'm so I'm new to the current the, the packaging industry and everything like that. So when it came to those conversations, I'm even more new. So as he was kind of going through and everything like that, that was a lot more or less why I was just like typing and like taking notes. Because I was like, I can ask him certain questions, but I'm going to see, you know, you you had a better back and forth going with him. And I was like, I'm well, going to speed off funny, of that. That's funny. I didn't, I knew even less than you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just know how to, I just have like kind of, I've, I've worked with, well, I guess for those of you who are listening, the way that we got into this company is that one of my former clients was a CFO of a waste disposal company. And he actually introduced me to the CFO of this packaging plant. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of had that leverage in that relationship to say, oh yeah, well, you know, um, I've worked I've worked with Charlie, which is the name of the other CFO, and like I I kind of get like that that mindset, right? And then just asked. What I should have asked you is what y'all talked about in the first meeting, which I didn't, and I didn't even think about it before we got in there because you mentioned it because you had already met with him, so you had a general idea of what he was looking for, kind of going into that meeting and get kind of feed off of that. We just grabbed lunch. Oh, I don't know. You you kind of started pulling out, and I didn't really look down uh, at what you were yeah. doing. You were like pulling out notes. And I was well, like, yeah. He, I like asked him like, what are the most important like data points you have? Mm-hmm. So then I kind of used that as like a building block to then ask like, oh, well, here's labor, here's um, material cost, or or whatever. I can't I can't remember them all off my head now. All right. But it's like, how important is? Well, I, I think also too like when I'm this is a this is a good way to kind of frame up this conversation about business acumen the way that I think about it is a dashboard so you have your KPIs running along the top and it's like reading it's like reading a book uh, the most important KPI is on the top left and then you break into your secondary KPIs right then you combine your measures and your dimensions to build out visualizations because the CEO did start talking about trends we want to see the trend line yeah that was, the, that was like the biggest thing yeah, yeah. he was looking for yeah so, so that yeah that's just combining well, it's, it's it's doing. You got to you got to aggregate all of the different um, what do they call those production lines mm-hmm. into year one, year two, year three, and then how long do they run for? Mm-hmm. So you're you're aggregating and then you're just putting in that dimension of time, right? Um, which yeah, I mean it, it is. I think also too, I've just gotten better at being in this like in those meetings, yeah. in those meetings, right? Because so you're you're in the the sales department now? Yeah, so I'm in the sales side. So what he was talking about was like general operational like things. I see some of those numbers and stuff like that, but I don't like delve off into it. I'm not in those conversations and those meetings or anything like that. So when he was going through that, I was like, yeah, this sounds familiar to me, but I don't know enough about it to ask the question. 
Um, what I should have done going into it, and I do this for counselor like you do for sales, is you do more research on who you're actually talking to, which would have gave me more of a point of reference to kind of lead that conversation. But I didn't, and I didn't. Th- <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I don't know why I didn't think about it. But I, I kind of you're leaning on me. Well, that and I, I halfway <laughs> assumed they were going to do something familiar than what I was used to seeing. And when we got in there, I was like, I don't know any of this. So <laughs> it's like not studying for a test. So that's good. You know. Learning experience, I'm, I'm glad you were a little, at least a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it was growth, learning. Experience. Growth is painful. <laughs> Just ask kind of Yeah, you. I mean, <laughs> your first experience is going to be your most important experience because right. now you need to now you, when, when you get through this, you're going to know how you can prepare for the next one because mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's going to be different. That's true. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, you you brought up a good point of um, transferable knowledge or skills. You are you could already have the conversation better than I could. Right. I just had the different frameworks and kind of the experience of being in those. Mm. I mean, we were essentially in my wheelhouse. Right. Because I mean, it was it, I, I didn't know the CEO as well, and I was surprised that he he kept saying that analytics is important. Analytics is important. Analytics is important. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, because I wasn't sure. I didn't. He um, had a pretty in depth knowledge of what he wanted, which also surprised me because. A lot of times, in the well, I'm not even going to say a lot of times, guys, I'm not as familiar with it, but from what I've seen, people aren't as direct. Like, I was thinking this CFO was going to actually tell, tell us a little bit more what he was looking for, and it was going to be specific to financial. When he kept talking about, as you were saying, trend lines and the operations, everything, that was kind of what threw me. Um, but, I mean, again, it was, it was a learning experience. It was kind of cool to, you know, hear him kind of go through that. So, uh, Well, it, I just realized, like, literally this time last week we were talking about you you were, I don't know if I you you were saying I don't know if I want to work in financial analytics or supply chain, mm-hmm. and it's like bam, right? You're literally sitting one week later in front of the CEO or CFO and CEO, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. you're literally kind of bridging the two of those. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be fun to kind of go through this. Well, you were excited afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I was, man, because I had a lot of good notes. I was like, yeah, I'm going to use this for some other stuff that I'm doing. So I was like, this is going to be perfect. Awesome. This is a perfect project. Yeah. Well, you are you have a, a, a much lower um, – well, we talked about this on the live stream mm-hmm. where you're, like, not as enthusiastic. Yeah, like, no, no, no. You're pretty low-key. Pretty low-key. Hunter, Hunter, <laughs> yeah. Hunter is like <laughs> – what, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Are you saying I'm bombastic Hunter or something? Was literally shaking with excitement. I was, okay. I was. Okay, well, I shake when I get extremely nervous about something. Okay. I just, it's just uncontrollable. I can't even control it. Right. But, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. I that was such a funny meeting. Yeah. Because I was like, I was being so loud. I was like screaming. Yeah, I was like screaming in the coffee shop. I was actually screaming. <laughs> it was. It is interesting to see the juxtaposition because you got quiet. And right. You were like looking like attentive and. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a good look. Hunter's like. <laughs> hey, and you know what? Well, I got I some feedback the, on it. We're gonna yeah. work on it. So there well, you go. no, I did the same thing. I, I mean, obviously, it wasn't that bad. Well, I mean, well, it was my first job too. My first analytics job. Right. So I, I was, mean, it was kind of hilarious that I was putting a 21-year-old who'd never done any projects to be like, hey. Here's a, here's a billion-dollar billion client. Good luck. It out. You got it. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, because um, Hugh took one of, one of my LinkedIn courses. Yeah. And, I, and he, he wanted me to go work on his. And I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't have I don't like consulting anymore. It's crazy how engaged he was with the, the whole time. Yeah, as, as something else is that not every not every business is going to be as 
as engaged as another one, for example. It seems like these guys are pretty motivated as well, though. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they're 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 more cooler tempered. Temperature uh-huh. Yeah. To where like Hugh's like uh, like a young life leader. He loves mentoring people, and he's just very active socially. Mm-hmm. To where um, the CEO and the CEO, CFO and CEO today were just kind of. Um, I mean, they were interested, but they were, we weren't like cracking too many jokes. Right, right, right. Yeah. It was like pretty straightforward. Yeah, from when we got in there. Yeah, I thought there was going to be a little bit more of that. I was like, that would have been a little bit more of my wheelhouse, but I was like, mm. But yeah, it was. No, they were just like ready to talk business because they're. Oh, yeah, they're straight through it. Yeah. yeah, they had just got there and everything, so it was cool. So that's so funny. Because <laughs> we, we just went to a coffee shop that's like literally really? yeah. oh, okay. five minutes down the road. We went to Spring Garden Bakery. Over in, uh, okay. Yeah, there's somebody trying to work on her paper in the corner or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <and> she <laughs> could me the evil eye. <laughs> like, she couldn't focus on her was yelling. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I think this, this pretty much wraps up the episode. Okay. Um, Wrap it up with me just screaming. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, okay, let's recap. Okay. So, <laughs> business acumen is kind of the software you need to run before you get into the hardware of actual technical skills. So it's like, okay, we have this nice shiny computer, but if I don't know that I want to send an email versus, I don't know, go to YouTube, it doesn't matter. Like you, you've got to kind of have the brain and conceptualize what actual problem you're going to solve. That's where business acumen comes in. Yeah. And you need to start... Proactively thinking about how can you develop these different mental models, mm-hmm. and the way that you do that is just through experience. I mean, I guess you can you can go off and like um, there's a, there's actually this this YouTube channel called Cold Fusion that's like they make like almost documentary grade videos and they break down like different business case studies, which is fascinating. I mean, that that would be a low, lower priority. Like you're not going to get as much watching or reading a case study mm-hmm. as you are of like. I own this project. This is what I did. You know, there was this uncertainty. There was this problem. Um, then we did this, and here was the outcome. I mean, that is that's kind of getting into your personal brand. That's that is the education that you own. Um, then once you've scoped out the project and you kind of are heading in the right direction, then it comes time to geek out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, I think so. I think I think we got it. I think we got it. Pretty mm-hmm. good conversation. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.